Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf and welcome to my podcast, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. In today's podcast, I continue the series of answering questions from people. You've sent in amazing questions and once again, what I do is I go through all the questions with my team, we group the questions together, we find a common theme and then we pick one of the questions that kind of represents the whole concept. And then that's what I'm going to use as the basis of answering my question. So today, specifically, we're going to talk about trauma bonds, the concept of trauma bonds. And I'm going to explain what they are, how they work, how they work in the brain and related back to the question. But before we begin, I just want to remind you that these podcasts are for educational purposes. They are not medical advice. And if you have any needs for medical psychological, therapeutic, mental health advice, you need to contact your most appropriate professional. So this is mental health education. Thank you so much for joining me. And today we are going to be talking, as I said, about trauma bonds. So let's dive straight in. And I'm going to start by defining them. And the leading expert who actually coined the term trauma bonds is Patrick, Dr. Patrick Carnes. And he has an incredible book, And we will put the link to his book in the show notes as well as in the blog that goes along with this. So if you haven't yet subscribed to my email list at drleaf.com, I suggest you do. I really recommend it because we always do a blog that's associated with the podcast. And then also this is all recorded on YouTube. So if you're listening on any of the audio platforms, you can also see me and using all my props and things to explain this on my YouTube channel, so you can subscribe there for more information. Okay, so let's begin. So what Patrick Kahn says, I'm going to read a couple of his, his quotes and statements, and he describes trauma bonds in this way. Exploitive relationships can create trauma bonds. So the first thing I want to point out there is exploitive relationships. So those are relationships that are not consensually in the, for the good of both people. Someone is being exploited in the relationship. So exploitive relationships can create trauma bonds. And these are like chains that link a victim to someone who is potentially harmful to their mental health or dangerous to them. Now, as we go through this discussion today, I'm going to be bringing the brain science and the mind-brain integration science behind what this looks like in the brain and the body and the mind in, in terms of helping to understand why they happen and then give some suggestions for how to manage the situation. Okay, so continuing with 
Dr. Paul Kahn's description. Divorce, employee relations, litigation of any type, incest and child abuse, family and marital systems, domestic violence, hostage negotiations, kidnapping, professional exploitation and religious abuse are all areas of trauma bonding. So I don't cover every single one of those areas in this podcast and this is why I'm going to refer you to a few different resources where you can go and dive deeper. The purpose of this podcast is of an educational nature, as I mentioned, to help you understand the basic concept from a a more neurological, neuroscience, mind-brain integration perspective, and then also to answer a person's question so that I can put it into context for you and to, to bring that side of the concept to help us understand. So Dr. Paul Kahn goes on to say that all these relationships share one thing, and that is they are situations of incredible intensity. So there's a lot of high intensity, and we'll discuss what that looks like in the brain and the body and why it has such an impact. So in the, these, these situations are, are, are of incredible intensity or importance where there is an exploitation of trust or power. So I'm going to read that again. All trauma bonds, all these relationships in these different areas share one thing, and that is they are situations of incredible intensity or importance or both where there is an exploitation of trust or power. And it may be kind of subtle because of the confusion of the trauma bond because it's very often, if it's in a relationship between two people, there's a lot of sort of periods where a person's natural wired for love mode comes out. And so there's periods of, of, of nice times in the relationship, which is very confusing. But we'll, we'll discuss that. So the letter that I'm going to read is from someone who's anonymous and um, who's chosen to stay anonymous. And I want to just um, honor that and I want to thank them for their letter and I know they'll know who they are, but I know so many people are going to benefit from this because as I said, we've collectively looked at a lot of different questions from, from the emails that you guys have sent in, found all the ones that related to this kind of trauma bonding concept and taken one that's sort of a general representation. So I'm going to start reading you the letter. Hi, Dr. Leaf. First of all, I wanted to say that, wow, I'm so amazed by your work. So thank you. That's so nice. I appreciate that getting that feedback. Once I was watching your two-hour podcast on how to heal yourself with your mind, I experienced goosebumps continuously. That's beautiful. Thank you. You just put everything into words, what I have experienced with my own healing, which was always so hard to explain to others. Well, if that's what I can help to do, that is fantastic because it's not easy going through mental health challenges. It's not easy being a human. Let's face it. There's so much hard stuff to deal with and so many difficult things to deal with. Okay, so now her question. Her questions that she goes on to say, my question would be about toxic people and relationships. And she goes on to describe, and I'm just going to kind of abbreviate it. She says, I have a boyfriend that was heavily using alcohol, prescribed pills, and all kinds of drugs for six years. Four years ago, I went away from him because of this reason. Last year, he came back to me promising that he is in a good place. He stopped parting, lives a normal life. That's what he said but I saw that he was still in a very dark place. When we started almost living together, I saw him basically unconsciously killing himself with alcohol, smoking, amphetamines, and so on, and it was the scariest experience in my life. I was trying, I saw how he had disconnected from everybody, even from himself. Little by little, I was trying to help him to understand what he was doing to himself. But he was rejecting any information 
that was connected to this topic. So basically when she brought it up, it was he was rejecting it. So she would try and point out to him what he was doing and the impact it was having on himself and others. And but he was rejecting her giving that information. But after every month, he seemed to be getting better and started drinking a bit less. But she didn't know what he was hiding from her. And he said, I knew he was trying to do this for me. And there's a key thing over there. You can't do something for someone if you're trying to heal yourself. You have to do it for yourself first and then for someone. Okay, so it's it's great to have the goal of wanting to, uh, you know, to, to get better for someone that you love. And that's a really good goal. But you have to want to do it for yourself first and then for others because you have to get yourself right first. It's about you in the world. So you've got to get be working on you so that you can be in the world and contributing. But one day he almost died and got very sick. After that, I wrote him a letter telling him all the truth about him. So she tried to explain all the things that were going on from the way she saw it from her perspective to help him to try and get perspective. So after that, he decided to leave me because he understood that he was hurting me and so he could try and fix it. So he left her for a good reason. She, he read the letter, saw what was going on, saw the impact on her, made the decision to leave independently to go and work on himself and for her to be able to heal and that he could sort of sort himself out. Then after three months, he came back. I can see the cloud is gone from his mind. He's like a new person. So there's been change, there's been healing. We are trying to be together again. But, and here's the big but, I can see that all toxic traits are still there. Emotional manipulation, gaslighting, emotional instability, etc. But now I can see the patterns and understand where everything comes from and I think deal with this in a healthy way for myself and him, that he would heal his childhood wounds. So he's now back and there is two things happening. On the one hand, she sees there's big improvement, that he's a different person. But she sees there's still certain very, very warning, very strong warning signs in the relationship, things like emotional manipulation gaslighting, emotional instability. And that's all going to mean, mean that that's coming at her. So that's toxic to her. So his own toxicity, which is not being processed, is being transmitted through the gaslighting, through the emotional instability, through the emotional manipulation. These are very strong key words that are showing that there is maybe a process of healing taking place because she said she can see a difference. And he's come back after the three months, so he's gone and done some work but there's still a lot going on. And those are warning signals that emotional manipulation, that emotional instability, that those narcissistic type tendencies, the gaslighting, those things are warning signals that there's still quite a lot going on underneath that is still pushed down and not processed. But the, the, his girlfriend, the person who wrote the letter is, is a safe space for him, but it's not really a safe space for her anymore. Because if you're not dealing with your stuff, that goes for all humans. If we don't deal with our stuff, whatever we push down, you've heard me say this often before, is damaging to the brain, the body, and the mind. And whatever is pushed down is going to go into the cells of the body. It's also it's already in the brain, and it's also in the mind. And you're going to transmit as toxic behavior patterns like emotional manipulation and gaslighting, etc. There's so many different things, but I'm just going on the specifics of this particular letter. So whatever we don't deal with, we transmit 
And if you're transmitting onto others and trying to put the onus on the other person to fix me, that's never going to work. And the fact that there's still such strong warning signals being transmitted from the boyfriend is a very big red light that something is still not right here at all. Okay. So, but I believe the, the, the girlfriend goes on to say, but I believe with every day, every month, every year, he'll get better. And that's an incredibly important thing that this girlfriend is believing. You see, deep down inside, we are wired for love. Our neurobiology, our brain and our body are wired for love, which means that we don't have structures in our brain and our body for all the traumas and things that we experience. And very often, someone who is showing these addictive type behaviors, well, not very often, the reason people are transmitting these the addictive behaviors and these all these different warning signals is because they have their own traumas to, that they're dealing with. And as she already said in the letter I read earlier on, he managed to identify that a lot of this is coming from serious childhood trauma. So undealt with serious childhood trauma that is suppressed and not managed can translate into these addictive patterns because addiction is not that the substance controls you, it's that the trauma controls you and you're using the substance to numb the pain because it's so hard to look at that stuff. And she, in a way, the girlfriend, in a way, has become someone that he obviously does love, but someone that is also almost like an addiction because she helps to also numb the pain to a certain extent. But then the frustrations that he's experiencing with his own trauma that isn't dealt with is being transmitted onto her. So it's a toxic relationship and it's a trauma bond because there is, there is periods of, of love and, and intense happiness that they have between them that, and, and periods where they really believe there's progress and where they talk about the childhood healing. And so there's periods of progress, but in between there's these other periods. So while the boyfriend's still trying to sort out this, get the toxic trauma of childhood process so that he's not transmitting and harming the girlfriend, she's in a state where she is actually in a traumatic state herself and she's being traumatized by his way that he is managing his trauma. So now there is two traumas and you have to both look after, both of them have to look after themselves and being together may not be the best solution because the cycle is being, is continuing. It's become a pattern of the problem, leave, come back, the problem continues and so on. So she she sees that every day she believes that something will change and that's true. You, we want people that love us and care for us to believe in us and to believe that you can do it and to tell someone, hey, I believe in you, I love you, I believe you can do this. At the same time, putting up the boundary of saying, I really believe you can do this, but you can do this. I can support you. I've supported you to this point, but from this point on, until you can learn how to manage that childhood trauma through going for therapy, etc., you are transmitting your pain onto me and it's toxic for our relationship. And that's the sort of conversation that may need to be had where that's a boundary. I, I care for you. I love you. I believe in your healing, but I have to put up a boundary because your battle is now becoming, it's now affecting my ability to function and is affecting creating trauma in me. So that desire to love is good. The pouring on of love will increase the person's resilience, but staying in that relationship may not actually facilitate because it's like it's it's like you are numbing the pain and then that boyfriend's potentially not I'm not saying that's for sure because I don't know them intimately, I haven't spoken to them. I'm just going on a little bit this brief information in this letter, but the situation potentially shows itself as one where the boyfriend is while she is there, it's he's that he's transmitting his pain as I've said onto her, but she's a form of numbing like the alcohol. So until he recognizes that all the substances and alcohol and the way he treats the girlfriend 
is part of the signals of his trauma unmanaged. Until he recognizes that, it's going to continue. So he has to recognize I'm doing that, which he's done once before, which is why he left and started doing the work. So there needs to be another period where he goes and now works on that stuff so that he doesn't transmit that on to his goal. Okay. He doesn't want to go to therapy. So now that's another key thing, because if you're going to be healed, if you're going to work through your healing, especially when there's major childhood trauma that is resulting in such extreme patterns of behavior, which this boyfriend is demonstrating, that needs therapeutic intervention. And you've heard me talk often about the importance of therapy and going to therapy and dealing with stuff and having a support system, counseling, coaching, therapy, whatever it is. And then you've also heard me talk about constantly about managing our mental mess through mind management. And you've heard me talk about the strategies which I write about in my work. My most recent book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, has my most updated version of the system called the NeuroCycle that you can fit all the other kind of therapeutic techniques like CBT and ACT and psychodynamic theory and that kind of thing into the system because the NeuroCycle is basically a system for how you get your mind under control to manage your mind because you're living with your mind all the time. So it doesn't replace therapy, but you need a mind management technique to help you process and get through the day and to to help you in your growth process so that it enhances therapy. So therapy becomes a place where you can really make sense of what's going on. And then you have the mind management technique in between to help you then grow in those spaces and to be able to live with yourself and to be able to keep on self-regulating. Mind management is basically getting the messy mind that's battling with the trauma in this case, in the boyfriend's case, and manifesting in these behaviors and the messy mind that we all have. We all have a messy mind. This is what we all have. It's a great thing. It helps us experiment, but the messy mind, it helps us process life, but the messy mind needs to connect with the wise mind in order for the, and when the two are working together, messy mind and wise mind, which is our instinctive wisdom, which is I know what I should be doing kind of thing, that pool needs to be stronger. And the relationship between the two, they, you kind of messy, what we don't want is messy mind working alone and only intermittently drawing on wise mind. And we don't, and, and we're not going to just ever operate in wise mind because we're alive and, and messy mind is the experimental part of us. So what we're wanting to do is to get the relationship between the two balanced where we are listening to the mind, to the wise mind. It's like the pilot of a plane and the co-pilot. The pilot's flying the plane. So you need the pilot, but you need the co-pilot to give you the direction, seeing into, the, into what's coming up, what's behind, what we should be doing, the big picture, perspective, the wisdom. And that can get very blocked. This wisdom, the wise mind, can get very, very blocked by high emotional intense situations, which is what I read outright in the beginning. And I'll quickly just read it to you again. What Dr. Paul Kahn so beautifully explains is that the common underlying situation that is shared amongst trauma, all the different ways trauma bonds can occur is incredible intensity in, in, in the situation. And, and that, that intensity of being in love is intense, but the intensity of someone having an addiction and seeing them is very intense. So there's trauma, as I said, developing in the goal. And, and then the trauma of seeing someone you love going downhill and then seeing them coming back. And then there's that high and that low and, then trying to talk to them and helping them and not seeing, not knowing what to do anymore because they keep saying they're going to try and work on this stuff, but then they're rejecting, Hey, go for therapy. Here's a book. Read this. You know, that's, that's what we can, what we can only do when, when you love and support someone. I'm here for you. I'll listen to you. I'll, I'll, I love you. Here's some resources, but I can't fix you. And that's something that in a trauma bond with the high intense, high intense nature of the trauma bond, very often the, the other person, who is, the, in this case, the girlfriend who is trying to help 
the boyfriend gets through this intense trauma, very often that trauma is it's it's very confusing, and very often there's the sense of I, I failed uh, and and shame and guilt. I must love them. I must support them. I must do more. So that leads to a lot of guilt and and shame internally in the person trying to help that person because there's a thing of I, I've got I've done so much. I, you know, there's this like high intensity inside of the person who loves that person who sees that the person you love destroying yourself. You want to go in there and fix it and. And you say, try this, try that, try that. And that can be very frustrating. And then you feel guilty because you feel frustrated or you feel irritated or you feel like exhausted or you feel drained and burnt out. And you can feel now you're, you are becoming traumatized. There's a secondary trauma in you from what is going on in the situation that you're in. So it's very, very high intense. So this particular letter is talking about trauma bonds in a relationship that is going wrong. But as I mentioned already from what I read from Dr. Porcani's book, these the trauma bonds can form in multiple situations. So divorce, employee relations, relations, litigation of any type, incest, child abuse, family and marital systems, domestic violence, hostage negotiations, kidnapping, professional exploitation, and religious abuse. Those are all areas of trauma bonding. So I'm not discussing all those areas now. I am focusing on the specific area of within a relationship. Okay? If we want to be healthier mentally and physically, One of the best things we can possibly do is get several hours of quality sleep every night. The brain and body heal itself when we sleep. It really is one of the most amazing processes, even if you are not conscious when it happens. But I know it's hard to get good quality sleep sometimes. Your mind keeps you awake, life is stressful, and there are often a hundred anxious reasons why you can't fall asleep at night. Thankfully, there are also ways we can improve our sleep quality and overall health, including taking magnesium. Believe it or not, around 75% of people don't have enough magnesium. No wonder so many people have sleep problems. But please do not run to the store to buy the first magnesium supplement you find. Most magnesium supplements use only the two cheapest synthetic forms. And since they're not full spectrum, they won't support better sleeping habits. There are actually seven unique forms of magnesium. And you must get all of them if you want to experience its calming, sleep-enhancing effects. That's why I recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by BioOptimizers. Simply take two capsules before you go to bed and you'll be amazed at how much better you sleep and how much more rested you feel when you wake up. For an exclusive offer for my listeners, go to www.magbreakthrough.com forward slash leaf and use Dr. Leaf 10 during checkout to save 10% on your order. The link and details will be in the show notes. I have to tell you guys about an amazing new service I found called FrameBridge. FrameBridge makes it easier and more affordable than ever to frame your favorite things without ever leaving the house. Add a gallery wall to your home office or send the perfect gift. From art prints and diplomas to the photos sitting on your phone, you can FrameBridge just about anything. Here's how it works. Just go to FrameBridge.com and upload your photo. Or they'll send you packaging to safely mail in your physical pieces. Preview your item online in dozens of frame styles and gallery wall layouts. Choose your favorite or get free recommendations from their talented designers. I personally love their Georgetown Antique Gold Custom Frame, which I recently used to frame a picture of my husband as a gift for Father's Day. He will be over the moon happy and I can't wait for him to see it. The experts at Framebridge will custom frame your item and deliver your finished piece directly to your door, ready to hang. The whole process is swift, easy and hassle-free. 
get started today. Frame your photos, keepsakes or artwork or send someone the perfect gift. Go to framebridge.com and use the promo code DRLEAF to save an additional 15% off your first order. Just go to framebridge.com and use the promo code DRLEAF. The link and details will be in the show notes. Now just moving on in reading the letter, he does not want to go to therapy. So now this this uh, girlfriend is in love saying, hey, I can see you're in pain. I know it's from your childhood trauma. You're manifesting with this. So, hey, let you go for therapy so that you can try and talk this through. And he has resources, but he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to know. He doesn't want to see the link between the addiction, the addictive behaviors that are being used to numb the pain because love is our top addiction and it's a good addiction. We wired for love. And if that's not being satisfied or wasn't satisfied in those in, in childhood in his case, then you're looking for that and, and, you, and there's so much pain. So then the alcohol, et cetera, is a numbing factor. And the love he's seeing in his girlfriend that he has for his girlfriend is a numbing factor, as I've mentioned, but it's not enough because he's got to work through his issues. She can't numb the pain all the time, and there's a frustration coming into him as well. That's why he needs the therapy. Okay, so he does not want to go to therapy. He has issues with trusting people, which is obviously coming from, and very understandably from, the trauma in his childhood. I have no idea what that trauma is, but if there's a trust issue, there's attachment issues, there's all kinds of things, which is even more reason why you need to maybe try multiple therapists because you may not, the first therapist may not be the best one for you. So it's, and now she says, but this is getting extremely difficult for me. So she's starting to find this extremely difficult for her to be able to watch the situation as I've described. And she says, sometimes I even think of, think of, uh, think myself, think to myself, what is wrong with me? Why am I still that I am still doing this? So now she's questioning her, herself. What's wrong with me? Why can't I fix it? Meanwhile, this is not actually your problem. It's your problem. It's not your problem. You love the person. You care for them. and You want to help them. But this is that person's problem, that person's trauma. And what you can only do is play a support role. You can't get in that person's head and make them change. They have to get to the point where they want to change. And that intense love and, and seeing what's going on and trying to help can lead to this tremendous this, this, this reflection back where she thinks I'm failing. I'm, I've, I've failed. I'm wrong. I've done something wrong here. What's wrong with me? And that's where potentially that's not potentially. This is so important that the girlfriend now goes for therapy, goes to coaching, goes to counseling, talks to someone, expresses it. So well done for sending this letter. And I encourage you that there's nothing wrong with you. What you're doing is you're trying to understand what's going on and why your boyfriend won't respond and you're trying to help. And you can see what's wrong and you know where it's coming from and you know it needs to go for therapy, but you can't make anyone do anything. So there's nothing wrong with you. You've done everything in your wired for love nature. You've reached out and done this. You've provided the correct support. And now you have to look after yourself because you go on to say, he's, he's almost like a project for me in my head. Find the ways on how to help and heal him. Now that is very, very informative. The way when you say find the ways how to help and heal him. So you can't heal him. You can help him. And you've done that. You've been there. You've loved, supported. You've pointed out the situation. You've acknowledged the trauma. He's probably spoken through with you to a certain extent. I don't know those details, but you've offered, you, you know, you've suggested therapy. You've suggested maybe resources. You've helped to show the link. You said all of that in your letter. So you've done a lot. So there's nothing wrong with you. You've done the support that you can do. So you, but you've got to get to the point where you recognize you can't fix them. You know, when we love someone and we see them in pain, we want to fix them. You know, I'm a mother of four. 
And whenever any of my kids are in pain, I want to fix them. I want to heal them. And same with my husband. I want to heal him, fix him if, if something's going wrong. But we can't. We can only love and support. And love and support looks different all the time. So your love and support in this particular case, maybe you need to move away from the situation so that he doesn't use you as a crutch and that he actually recognizes that he has to really get to owning this, this, this trauma and owning, taking responsibility for dealing with the feelings of, um, of lack of empowerment and control and trust that's in his life. In the meantime, you have to look after yourself by healing your secondary trauma and not, and, and not getting into shame and condemnation because you haven't done anything wrong. Okay. So she finds it very hard to leave him because, she, and the next statement is very informative because she says, and I can't leave because of the happy moments. And that's a key indication that this is a trauma bond because the happy moments are keeping you tied in. So there's the bad and there's the happy and there's the bad and there's the happy and there's the bad and there's the happy. And that happy is even in the happy moment, you think, I can't, you know, why? Why, why, why am I doing this? And I can tell you, I had two instances in my life where I got into a trauma bond type situation. One, I was just in my fourth year at university, in my first degree, and I met someone who was like really had a lot of issues as well. And long story short is that we got into, into a relationship and even to the point where we were speaking marriage and it was very quick and all the emotional instability. I was just so thrown by everything. It was, it was very, very toxic. I was very young. He was much older than me. I was very, to it was very toxic in that I was being very emotionally manipulated. And I remember that in the happy moments thinking, well, this is wonderful. But deep down inside my, let me say that deep down inside, I know that's all wise mind. My wise mind was sending me signals where I was feeling un on edge and uneasy and I can fix him. And, you know, that's why I recognize a lot of these statements. I can fix him. I can heal him. I can see where this is coming from and I can help him. And, but I had to realize one day that I can't. And it did take my family telling me that, listen, if you decide to marry him, we're not going to support this decision because this man is not good for you. And that was really hard to hear. I had to kind of crash to be able to recognize, listen, there's nothing wrong with me. I've got to, I mean, every, we've all got things wrong with us, but there's not something wrong with me inherently. I'm not a bad person, but this is not a healthy relationship. I need to pull away and heal and get myself in the right place. And this person needs to heal. And we separated our ways. I left, I ended the relationship and it was very hard. And for a while, I felt guilt and shame thinking, oh, I didn't try hard enough and that kind of thing. So we need to, you know, we can be very hard on ourselves. And, and that, you know, that I had to work through that and process through that. And a lot of neurocycling wasn't called the neurocycle back then, but a lot of it had some, had incredible support of family that I could talk to and friends that I could talk to to process and understand what was going on and to get to a place of healing from that relationship. Okay. So now this lady goes on to ask my question, she says. Is it possible to fix toxic relationship patterns when one of the partners are aware of what's happening, trying to find the way out, and the other is slowly unconsciously following? Okay, this is a very interesting statement. It's always possible to fix anything. First part, is it possible to fix toxic relationships? But both of you have to be involved in the fixing process. Both of you have to own your own stuff and be working through your own stuff. You can't be trying to expect the other person to fix you and you fix the other person. So it's always possible to fix, but you have to be working on yourself and you have to look at all the circumstances. And the circumstance that has been described in your letter is one of a former bond, this high intense state that has these highs and lows and has created a situation, a pattern that is toxic where 
you understand what's going on. You've got a very clear perspective of what's going on in your boyfriend's life. But he doesn't really have it because you say he's unconsciously following along, but is he really? Because yes, he's going for periods where he's healing and there's periods where you have such happy times, but then he falls back into the pattern. So it may be that you need to create some distance between the two of you in some way. I don't know what that looks like. You really do need to get counseling and therapy, maybe group couples therapy, individual therapy to work out the details of what creating distance between the two of you looks like while you both work on your own issues. Okay. One more thing. If one person is wanting to change and the other not, it's not going to work. Then you have the one who's wanting to change or heal has to move out of the situation until the other one realizes they have to do the work. You can't get in that boyfriend's head and do the work for him. And then she says, and does the toxic behavior change with time, treated with love, understanding? Yes to that over time, but you may not be the person who needs to directly impose that. So or put that love. Now you can still love that person, but in that space that I'm talking about, that needs to be created. That's more healthy for you and for him. And obviously any therapist who works with him, any support systems that he goes into, group therapy, peer groups, family support systems, obviously the more love. When someone's in trauma, they need a lot of love. But you may, you may not be the person because of the trauma bond that has been created to be involved at this, at this point. But there you need to go specifically. You can't take, I'm not saying that you must break this off and whatever. I am taking, giving you the information for you to go and create the space that you need for you to be able to heal and for your boyfriend to be able to heal. And you need counseling, therapy, coaching, both of you to be able to work out what this looks like. And it may, as I said, initially be some sort of couples therapy and then individual therapy for each of you uh, while you work through this process. But at the same time, stand your ground. So you say, and does the toxic behavior really change with treated love when, with time, when treated with love, understanding, but at the same time, standing your ground. So that's basically what I'm saying. And you're saying it too. You've answered your own question. Standing your ground is looking after you, recognizing there's toxicity in this relationship. You've said all the points. You recognize it. Your wise mind's telling you, this is a toxic relationship. This is a pattern. This is something that's not healthy. I'm coming back because of the happy moments. I know what's wrong, but he doesn't want to face it. I'm suggesting therapy. He doesn't want to go to therapy. You've got all your own answers. You need to stand your ground. And that's what standing your ground is. You've actually described your answer. You've actually instinctively, your wise mind is working with your, with your, with the messy mind that we all have. Every one of us has messy minds. It's not an insult. It is a, a tremendous gift. Our messy mind is how we experience life. We make mistakes and we repair and we grow when we work with the wise mind. Messy mind alone is, is a problem. That's why my book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, is teaching the wise mind to work with the messy mind. Then she says, and how toxic are my own thoughts and behavior that I'm doing this? And she has an exclamation mark. So there's now her value systems are being attacked. Her identity is being attacked. So some emotional manipulation, gaslighting is making her feel like she's the problem. You're not the problem in the situation. You're not his, you're not the cause of his problems in the situation. You've been nothing but supportive. And the fact that you question yourself is evidence that you've been gaslighted and emotionally manipulated. So you need to heal and protect yourself. That's why the therapy is so vitally important. And then you say, should I just leave in order to fix my own issues? You've answered your own question. Your wise mind is listening to your messy mind. You're reading those signals, the warning signals of the patterns, the emotional manipulation, the gaslighting, etc., etc. You're starting to recognize and introspect and see that you're questioning yourself. All these are warning signals that you need the support. You need the safety of the distance and you need to be able to work on yourself first. So that is kind of a summary of the letter. Now what I'm going to do is, and, and thank you once again to that person who chose to remain anonymous. 
And thank you for sending that letter and thank you for us being able to talk that through. Okay, so now I'm going to talk a little bit more from a scientific side, what's happening in the brain and the body. Okay, so as you said, this kind of emotional attachment that we've been analyzing through this letter is described as a trauma bond. Okay, a trauma bond, and I'm going to read a definition from Healthline. It's a great definition. A trauma bond is a recurring cycle of emotional abuse that alternates. Now listen to this from the, remember what we've just gone through in the letter. It is a recurring cycle of an emotional abuse that alternates with kindness and intimacy, which is what makes the situation so confusing. Okay, so summary. In the situation just described, she leaves when she sees the damage his behavior is doing to himself and herself. Four years later, she takes him back. Then there's the repeated cycle of the promise of the boyfriend wanting to change, but he doesn't because wanting to change, but he doesn't. And she understands that the, now she now has more understanding that the trauma and the repeated cycle is coming from the root cause of trauma, and that that which are the, which is the root cause of his addictive behaviors. And she shows she feels that she can help him with love, patience, and kindness, but she's questioning that this is not healthy because there's warning signals of the emotional abuse, gaslighting, things coming back, changing, but not changing. He lies to her. She's not sure she can trust him. All those are signs that she's questioning, that her wise mind, her non-conscious mind are busy sending to her. This is now leading to her oscillating between thinking there's something wrong with her because he doesn't want to get any other help and that her help isn't creating a sustainable change. So it's definitely time, as I said, to create the distance. So now let's see how this works in the brain. So bonding between two people is a psycho, I'm going to give you a long word, psycho-neurobiological phenomenon. So psycho-mind, neuro-brain, biological body, okay? So it's all three. That's what I talk about all the time, mind, brain, body, connection, psycho-neurobiological, okay? So when you fall in love and you you start a relationship with someone, the experience of falling in love is processed through your mind through the waves of your mind, the mind is that 99% part of you. Okay, so the whole experience of falling in love, meeting that person, and that, pro- that experience is built is, uh, the, through your mind is pushed into your brain. So it's a whole energetic flow of that whole, all the elements of meeting someone, falling in love, the conversations, the touch, the sensa- sensations, the communication, the meaning, all of that you see through your mind. Pushed into your brain and your brain the, the, the connection between the mind and the brain then creates the physical result of that. So it's built in, this experience is built into the brain as a healthy tree. So I'm holding up for the viewers, I mean the listeners, I'm holding up a little plant in a pot. And if you can jump over to YouTube, you'll be able to see these and subscribe to Dr. Caroline Leaf on my YouTube channel. And in this little tree, there's a, it's in a pot and the pot has roots. So all the, the, the roots are all the experiences that you are having at each connection point and growing more and more little root memories each time you connect, each time you have dinner together, take on the phone, send a text, have that hug, et cetera, et cetera, intimacy, et cetera. Each of those is the root experience. And as you have each experience, the branches, the branch memories are your interpretation of that. And so this is building in your head with these proteins and chemicals and also in the, the, the partner's head. So both of you are building each other and this connection into your head. So each, as this, or as you're experiencing this, so is the partner. So you're building each other. So you 
built each other into these protein trees in your head. And it's in the waves of your mind. And a way to visualize the waves of your mind is if you, you know, like if you're looking at it, you uh, any voice tracking, you'll see the little lines. Okay, that's kind of a good way to visualize our, um, our thoughts in our mind. It's like a little pattern that we store. Okay, so it's in our mind, which is 99% of us, and it's driving the physical. It's in our brain as the as these thought trees made of protein, and it's in the DNA of every cell of your body. That's the psychoneurobiological combination, okay? So now, if you have the situation where you meet and it's all nice and everything and it's all happy and then suddenly these some toxic behaviors start happening. So now you have some toxic encounters. So here's the healthy version of the relationship and here's the toxic version of the relationship. But first, maybe this is tiny and there's just a little bit of that addictive behavior and then there's a little bit more. And each addictive behavior is intermittently interspersed with the positive. So this pops up and this is maybe small, but then over time, this is getting bigger. Each toxic experience is in the roots and your interpretation of is in the branches. So when, for example, she says that I, should I, what is wrong with me, that there's been so many toxic encounters over the four and a half years or whatever it is of their relationship that there's a lot now of what's wrong with me. The gaslighting, the emotional manipulation, which has been there, has inter- her interpretation is now at- her identity and who she is is being attacked. And the, just the instinctive knowledge that this is not right, that's being attacked. But then this happens and then she sticks with them because they have such happy moments. We, that partner's genuinely, obviously genuinely in love, but his trauma is being transmitted and that's what's being built into her brain. So there's this thing going on and it's the high intensity is because when you, your mind is think, feel, choose. Okay. So everything that you build experience, think, feel, choose, there's feeling memories in the roots. And your interpretation's got think, feel, choose, the thoughts, feelings, and emotions, and choices in here. So it's, there's a lot of emotion, and it's in your body. And that's why our gut gets sore, I mean, when we, or our heart gets physically sore, when, we, when the toxic side is activated. We feel it in our body. It's stored in our body. And that's why we have, when we do trauma work, you also have to work through your body. You have to do mind work. You have to do brain work. And you have to do body work. You have to do all of it. Okay? And that's why therapy is so important and the different types of therapy. And that's why what I do with the neurocycle is to try and help you do the mind, body, and mind, brain, body work as well in those different aspects. Okay. So now you have this connection between you have these of this relationship and they, they, it's kind of two competing things. So there's this conflict because this is what's right. This is what we wired for love for. Our optimism bias recognizes this. So now, the toxic, and I'm holding up for the viewers and listeners, sorry, <laughs> I'm holding up the toxic, a toxic version of a green tree. So imagine this wiry, toxic tree. Okay, so now we have the two trees. I'm holding up one in each hand. So now we have conflict because this is dominating, then this is dominating, then this dominant, dominate, dominate. So the toxic one is dominating. Now the healthy one pops up and then the toxic and the healthy. And every time, because we are wired for love, because we believe in love, because we have an optimism bias, whenever we see this and you love someone, you're going to want to, this is imbalance, this threatens survival. You can see, she can see that this is threatening who he is and he's almost died already once. So she wants, she's drawn to that because she loves him and because she wants to help restore balance. So we have this, this, this paradox. And then there's also this, this connection because this is in your head and in the partner's head, their version. So now, and that's connected by this invisible quantum physics connection, the electromagnetics between these two. So every time you, Think of that person, doesn't matter where they are, if they're physically in front of you or they're in another place physically, this, these are emitting 
real energy waves. You think of them and you activate these, you connect it. So there's this invisible connection through the quantum, through quantum physics, philosophy, to science. We use that to explain it. So there's this invisible string. So now he's in your head, you in his head, and then there's intimacy, which increases that, the strength of that bond. And then you have this calling to each other when you're apart. And because of the intensity and the up and down nature and the confusion, and we can get so immersed in this, there's a drawing, there's a pulling effect, which is very paradoxical. So, and, and very confusing. And then the confusion adds to this. So there's a lot of mix of emotions. So it takes a lot of time to discern between all the emotions. And that's where the neurocycle is so good because the neurocycle very systematically it teaches you how to very systematically, first of all, gather awareness. Let's identify all these emotions. Let's identify all the behavior signal, emotional warning signals. Let's gather awareness of the emotional warning signals. Let's gather awareness of the behavioral warning signals. Let's gather awareness of the physical warning signals, the sore heart, etc. The behaviors, what are you doing? Keep going back, keep saying the same thing. What's the patterns in the behaviors in the relationship, your behaviors, his behaviors, gaslighting, etc. What are the perspective warning signals? Okay. And as you start this work, it's going to be a lot to unpack. So you just do it a little bit at a time. So that's why I always recommend the neurocycle is done 15 to 45 minutes a day. And I have a whole chapter in this book on how to detox traumatic situations using the neurocycle. Okay. Whether it's primary or secondary trauma, big T trauma, et cetera, cumulative trauma, which is in this case what's happening here. He's got childhood trauma and cumulative trauma and addictive coping patterns, and she's got secondary trauma and so on. So there's trauma going on. So you work on it for 15 to 45 minutes every day. The neurocycle is the five-step process that you do in that time. And in that process, you're going to gather awareness of the signals. Then you systematically go to the next step in a very objective way, and you start questioning why, and asking, answering, and discussing. And then you write in the two different steps of writing. The metacog is the way that you then pour all this information on, on paper in this branched way. And as you do this branched, you draw a circle, write the main topic in the middle of, of the page. So trauma bond or I'm confused, should I stay or whatever it may be related to can toxic relationships heal? However, you see that at that moment, because it'll change each day potentially. And then you just draw a line and you write a word and whatever, another line and write a word. Like each branch grows from the other branches. When you create a metacog, you're growing branches, right? A branch goes out of another branch, it goes out of another branch, and you're putting a word on each branch. And it doesn't have to make sense. And sometimes there'll be a little phrase and sometimes a drawing. Just pour it out because that's your left and your right side coming together, oxygen increasing, blood flow increasing, all the different waves, alpha, data, delta, theta, alpha, beta, gamma, high beta, high gamma, all flowing in the right way, bringing balance between coherence between the two sides of the brain to help you to get deep into the wise mind so that your wise mind starts to really talk to the messy mind, that you build the relationship. So these five steps are doing that, pulling the wise mind and the messy mind together. And then the fourth step is where you're going to now start trying to make sense of that and reconceptualize it and look at it in a different way and see it from another angle and look at the patterns and the triggers and the antidotes and the active reach is a little action that you can do in that specific day. And the first day you may only identify a few things and each day you're going to progress. And then as you go to therapy, you can take this work because you write it down in your NeuroCycle journal. I also now have the NeuroCycle app. So you can get the book, get the app, and you can actually then, I can I walk you through the process. And then you take that work to your therapy session. And then you work through what all of that means. So you get a deeper level of perspective. 
because maybe you write all this stuff down and you just don't know how to process it. So that's where the therapy comes in. And so you go on. Okay. And so that pulling that occurs when you're constantly together. So every time you're together, this is made stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. So sometimes you get become so toxic that you can't see the wood for the trees, that you're trying to restore balance, but you've got so caught up in this that that is just messy, 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 messy. So to get messy back working with wise, we have to create the distance. And in this case, with the trauma bond, it's very important that the distance is created so that the healing can happen on both sides, the two different types of trauma that need, need to be addressed needs to happen on both sides. And the less energy, when you're together, these are fed and they grow, but when you're apart, there's still the connection, but the energy is now depleting because it's not being fed every day by that direct contact. So it's the energy is now getting weaker. So this then becomes weaker and this becomes stronger because you're focusing on the healing aspect. So therefore this, you're being empowered to get more autonomy and to get more independence, to get more agency over facing this toxic situation and the toxic stresses bring it brings. But in it, it's very hard to do that. So you need to get out of it. You need to get out of the situation to be able to actually do the healing and see the best next steps forward. And that's where, honestly, I can't stress it enough. The neurocycle is phenomenal alongside the therapy in these kind of situations. Have you ever been in a situation where you just couldn't get comfortable and realized it was what you were wearing beneath your clothes? This has happened to me in the past. It can be a really stressful experience. But thankfully, since I discovered Me Undies, I am so comfortable, I feel like I live in a fluffy cloud. Me Undies believes that comfort is about more than what's just touching your skin, it's about feeling comfortable in your skin. That's why Me Undies not only use a sustainable, breathable, soft as heck fabric, but they also give you endless styles to choose from. It's total comfort from the inside and out. Me Undies has something for everyone. Their products range from classic colors to ridiculous prints. Their pink coral fabric is my favorite and are available in range of sizes from extra small to four times extra large. So you can fully express yourself in your own unique way. Plus enjoy discounted pricing, free shipping and exclusive early access to new launches. Love your butt and get the membership. And MeUndies has great offers for my listeners. For any first time purchases, you get 15% off and free shipping. And MeUndies also has their problem-free philosophy. If you're not satisfied with any product for any reason, they'll refund or exchange it. No caveats, no questions. To get your 15% off your first order and free shipping, go to MeUndies.com slash DrLeaf. That's MeUndies.com slash DrLeaf. The link and details will be in the show notes. When we think of health, we tend to think of exercising regularly, eating right and getting 8 hours of sleep. But you know, mental health is just as important as physical health. And I know it can be hard to talk about some of the stuff. That's why Plush Care makes it easy to connect with a doctor wherever you are, whenever you're ready. Plush Care's primary care physicians are here for you seven days a week to help you start feeling better as soon as possible. In addition to handing ongoing and urgent care, they also treat a wide range of common mental health issues like anxiety, depression, stress, or even trouble sleeping. So if you're feeling down, worried, or not like yourself, you can book a same-day appointment and see a plush care doctor right from the comfort of your home using your phone or computer. They'll discuss treatment options with you and have your prescription sent to your local pharmacy as needed. Plush care accepts most major insurance carriers and is available in all 50 states. Plush care makes it easier than ever to take care of yourself, inside and out. Start your membership today. Go to plushcare.com slash and start your free 30-day trial. 
That's P-L-U-S-H-C-A-R-E dot com slash Dr. Leaf for a free 30-day trial. Plushcare.com slash Dr. Leaf. The link and offer details will be in the show notes. Okay, so and also just another interesting thing is that habits form over 63 days. And when a habit forms, behavior changes. So the, each contact, each toxic contact that you have, this relationship in the letter that this I read, the person's been going through this for four and a half years. So in one year, okay, let's do this. It takes 63 days to change, to, for a habit to form and for behavior to change. That goes for the healthy and the negative. So for this person who's the boyfriend who's in the toxic patterns, there is, it's been going on for a long time. For how many years? So these patterns that are very, very strong and very established and very, very dominant. So that's going to take a lot of work from you, from that, from that person, not, not you, from you, from the person. Uh, if it's, if, it, if this is speaking to you, we have to fix our own toxic stuff. We have to, it's going to take a lot of time to unwire and rewire and reconceptualize these things. So over four years, which is the length of this relationship, there have been at least 24, 63 day cycles. So these, you know, that, that's, there's this repeated pattern. There's been a chance to practice these behaviors at least 24 times over that time period. So they're very established. And there's a lot of them. I mean, the numbers, just to give you an idea, the 63 days is important, but just how many per year? 365 divided by, by 63 times by four is where I got to the number more or less 24. So there's, if, if that's what you're immersed in, this is, this has become a habit. That's what I'm saying. And it's become a very established habit. So it's going to be a lot of hard work to disconnect because when you, then you separate from that person in a trauma bond, it's confusing. That intensity is kind of drawing you back. That invisible quantum physics, even though it's the wrong pattern, is pulling you back. And that's why you need a good mind management technique daily and a good therapist and a good support system to give, to help you in that space in your healing, to create that healing in the space that you are working in. Okay. So just to kind of summarize, I want to just read a couple of notes that I've made over here to you. See, the bonding becomes very distorted when it's toxic, with toxic experiences. Some lovely times mixed in with in, in a chaotic manner to create confusion. So this, some of this, some of this, some of this, some of this, and it gets very confusing. Now, this is happening in the brain. It's also happening in the brain, it's these trees that I keep holding up. In the, in the, in the mind, which is 99% of who you are, it's happening in these, these wave things so that you keep like switching on, you know, like when you play a podcast and you, and there's the little, little lines with the person speaking. That, imagine that as what, that's what the thought looks like in the mind. So that keeps replaying. So in your mind, then we talk about our mind replaying. It's literally like when you replay your podcast. So what we're doing is like press pause on the podcast, press pause on the situation to create the separation so that you can stand back and actually start working through this, embracing it, processing it, and reconceptualizing it, seeing it in a different way, which is what the neurocycling and therapy would do. Okay, So the, this confusion creates kind of an emotional, a kind of emotional blindness to what is really going on. But if you stand back and you really think, which is what this this lady has so brilliantly done in her analysis when she said that she recognizes there's a problem and should I, should I start working on myself? Should I get out of this? Should I look after myself? That's her wise mind speaking. She's seeing that she's getting insight. Her, there's coherence happening in her brain, which is incredible. Okay. And where we see this, where her, where her wise mind is, is, is being listened to by the, by the messy mind, where her 
And, and in that way, she's getting introspective and diving deep into the non-conscious mind. And the non-conscious mind is working with the conscious mind. We see that happening in these, in these statements that she says. Sometimes I even think, what is wrong with myself? Why am I still doing this? So there's now, she's reading the warning signal that I, I recognize I'm seeing that there's something wrong with myself. It's almost like he's a project. She's trying to process and understand this. It seems like there's this project for me and I can't seem to get it right. What's wrong with me? And she's recognizing that that's what she's doing. Brilliant. That's insight. That's wise mind talking to messy mind. And she's working this out. And she says, but maybe I should go. Maybe I should work on myself before I can fix him because I'm recognizing I'm seeing this. Maybe this is the wrong way to see this. So there's tremendous insight starting to develop there. And to continue that development, she needs to get into a space where she can start weakening that trauma bond and do the healing. And when the healing happens, that trauma bond changes. You disconnect from that person. You cut that, you sever that tie and you release and you disconnect so that that emotional manipulation is no longer controlling you. But you have to get to a place of very very strong. And when you're that that strong, this this connection is gone, the the trauma bond connection is gone, and then you now are in a better space to say, okay, do I want to go back when, when he's done his work? Am I going to be able to evaluate that? Am I going to be able, all those kinds of questions that are healthy questions to see whether this is going to be good for you going forward? It may not be that you go back to them. It may be an unhealthy trigger. It may be that you both need to get new relationships. It may be that once you both work through your stuff, that being together may be the best thing. No one can say that it's your individual unique narrative. That's why you have to do the mind work through the neurocycle. You have to get into the therapy. Okay. This in part is why it's harder to leave an abusive relationship the longer it continues. And that's because of this, these emotional bonds that form. Bonding makes it hard to enforce boundaries. When you're in that space, it's very hard to enforce boundaries. When you're separated, it's much easier to enforce boundaries. And it's harder to keep away from people that we bonded to. So that's why there's always this coming back. So let me explain that quickly in another way. That yes, separated, but look how he was there, he went, she left, he came back. There's this, and this is very often the, this is the pattern of abusive relationships and trauma bonding. Is this going back? And it's only when you are, are having that, that healthy work in that space of mind work and therapy, et cetera, and mind, brain, body work. Remember, it's got to be all three. Okay. You may need to do things like trauma yoga and physical stuff. There's many different things. I give lots of exa- suggestions in my, in my app. And I'm going to give you some other references of books that are really great for this if you're in this situation. But basically, it's harder to keep boundaries because of this confusion. Everything's distorted. As I said, there's almost like this mind blindness that happens when this, this occurs here. Where you, and that's the messy mind dominating. Mind clarity comes when messy mind works with wise mind. And so that's decisions we have to make that we have to stand back and observe our own thinking. We have to start. When people say, how do I even begin? It's to start very objectively, standing back and observing your own thinking, being a pilot and the co-pilot at the same time and standing and saying, okay, let me look at my life as though you are looking at someone else, as though you're giving yourself therapy, distancing yourself, creating that space and using the, the, you, the pronoun you. Okay, Caroline, you or X person, you are doing the, let's look at your warning signals. There's no condemnation. There's no judgment. It's all done in kindness, but you are going through a very systematic way of standing back and observing your own thinking, feeling, and choosing, and observing the warning signals that that is producing. So you're kind of standing back. You're not immersed in it. You're standing back. You can even visualize a building, and I talk about that technique in here, where you can imagine in a building and sealed up windows, and the situations with the person are in the behind sealed windows, and you're standing on the outside and very objectively gathering awareness of the signals, reflecting, 
doing the right steps and doing the active reach daily. So there's those kind of things that you can do, techniques, a lot of different techniques I talk about in my book. And there's a lot of good books on techniques that you can also add in. So the resources I give you fit beautifully inside the neurocycle and inside a therapy context. Okay, so in leaving a long relationship, it's not always useful to judge the correctness of the decision by how hard it is because it will always be hard. And so that's kind of a statement that I want to almost end, we're almost at the end of this podcast. But I just want to say that again, in leaving a long relationship, and four and a half years is a long time, even six months can feel like a long time. It's not useful to judge the correctness of the decision on how hard it is. So don't say, oh gosh, this is so hard, I must be wrong. Okay, it's much because it's always going to be hard. It's always going to be hard. So don't judge the correctness of the decision based on how hard it feels. Okay, it's not useful to judge the correctness of the decision because it's always going to be hard. Always. For all these physiological reasons, the brain-mind-body connection, these invisible connections with quantum physics, all the stuff in your DNA is changed. You've got to change all of that. You've got to rewire your brain. You've got to reset those those little signals in your mind. You've got to reset the DNA. You've got to change all of that. That takes a lot of, that takes these cycles of 63 days, multiple cycles of 63 days. Okay. And then also, if you've had any previous traumas, the, the, the girlfriend and the boyfriend, you already know that there's traumas, but if you've had previous traumas, all of those get triggered in another, in any current traumatic situation. All those traumas pop up too that may not even be the same, different traumas. And they kind of all kind of feed in to this funnel. They'll find, this seems to find like a magnet, seems to find the others. There's like a pulling power of this onto other traumas. And then that just makes even, adds to even more confusion, which is so important that we get that mind work, that we get that therapy. So in conclusion, here are some action steps for this particular person or for any of you out there who can relate to what we've discussed in this podcast today. First action steps is I would strongly recommend that you get into using the neurocycle. I'm obviously talking about that because I've spent 38 years researching this and I understand that this is the system, for a, a brilliant system for driving the mind and our mind drives everything. Our mind is always driving everything. You wake up with your mind, you sleep with your mind, you're doing everything with your mind, you're in this relationship with your mind, you're in life with your mind. So you've got to know how to be very objective in managing your mind. You need mind management. So my first recommendation is you need mind management, which will help you get the perspective to make the right decisions in whatever situation you're in. And what I can offer you from my research is the neurocycle. In my latest book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, I've been researching this for 38 years. I also have the neurocycle app. So there I can offer you those. It's not the only mind management, but in that is a framework of where you can fit in other beautiful, there's amazing techniques out there and amazing therapies out there that you can fit in this framework. So the neurocycle is how you, is a framework for mind management. And at the, in step five, step four and five is where you can fit in a lot of the other therapeutic techniques. It's just priming your mind to prime your brain to change and to help you get control back to empower you. Then I recommend therapy, strongly recommend therapy, counseling, support system, coaching, all of the above in whatever combination you can. And then I recommend Dr. Patrick Kahn's book. We'll put the link in the show notes. And I also recommend the book, The Body Keeps the Score, Mind, Brain, and Body Healing of Trauma by Basil van der Kolk. Okay, so those are some tips to help you. And I thank you for listening to me. I hope this has helped you. And just remember, you can't control the events and circumstances of life, but you can control 
your responses. You can learn to control your responses. And that's what I hope to help you with. Thank you for joining me today and I look forward to seeing you next time. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful. If you want more tips and help with managing anxiety, depression and mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com and to sign up for my weekly newsletter where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leith. Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. This podcast represents the opinions of myself and my guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions or corrections of errors.